Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. We're talking about Bible contradictions. Actually, we're talking about God contradicting and how we need to look at the Scripture and recognize that in our personal lives, there are many contradictions. And this is something that we need to pay attention to because we're used to living a life and seeing contradictions, and and we deal with them on that basis of whatever we're dealing with. You know, a contradiction of, you know, uh, this car selling for this price, and you go in there and they're like going, oh no, it's not that price. You don't know. I've had that happen a few times where, I, I mean, I show them. I pull it up on the internet going there. And then they flick around with it and go down to the very, very fine print. And then they pull out that fine print. And that fine print always gets them out of that advertised price, except not with me because I walk. So in other words, you're going to do what you said you're going to do, or I'm going to go someplace else, or I don't really need one. And so I'm in the driver's seat and empowered by purchasing in that manner. But the contradictions out there are out there. But there are also things that we have to deal with as far as our own personal lives being followers of Jesus. And that is dealing with contradiction. It's when God says, you're a champion, and you go, you don't know my life. That, that's a contradiction to my life. Are you guys hearing me? And I know that is a frustrating thing for many, many people that receive Jesus and start hearing these truths. I'm not talking about religion. Religion is never going to contradict because it's going to, it's going to keep you messed up. But the truth of God's word is going to be coming at you in a way that starts revealing something that, I mean, honestly, it co- totally contradicts your past, your history. The word contradict means to assert to be untrue by saying the opposite. To assert the opposite of a statement or an idea put forward by someone. To oppose direct opposition between things compared, inconsistency. So that's what the word contradict means. And so what we see in Scripture is contradictions. But there, it's so awesome to look at God's word and to see this in action when it's dealing with our lives. Because we need to know how to deal with that. Amen? Because ultimately, there's one truth. There's not many truths. There's one truth. And we need to boil it down to one truth. And like I always say, we want information for Monday. Amen? We're not looking for information for Sunday because we're not playing the game. We're not playing religion or learning how to speak Christianese. No, we want information for life. I want you to be the best you can be at everything Monday and Sunday too. But what I'm saying is, is I want you to be the best employee, employer, the best superintendent, the best boss, the best worker, the best husband, the best wife, the best father, the best mother. And this is what this word will get you. It'll get you the information that I promise you is going to contradict your history, your past. So what we do is, is we're looking at the information and allowing that information to enter into our hearts and to be planted into good ground so that we can deal with these truths. So we can have the information of success out there. Because everybody in here, everybody in here deals with issues out there in life. No matter how young you are or how old you are, we all deal with something. And so this information in Scripture should be able to help us work through these things so that God can do what he wants to do, and that's to have a successful pathway for our lives. God says, I think good over your life. That's what he does. I've got the picture of success. I give you a hope for your future. And that's a wonderful thing to know, amen? But in the word of God, God says to Abram, and this is in Genesis, he says, regarding Sarah, your wife, I will bless her, give you a son from her. I will bless her richly. 
She will become a mother of many nations. She'll be what? A mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Now think about that. This is talking about Sarah, which our introduction to Sarah is in the last verses of Genesis 10. And her introduction is this, and Sarah is barren and can't have kids. That's our introduction. We get Abraham was married to Sarah. And it goes through this process, and at the very end, and Sarah is barren and can't have kids. I mean, can you imagine that? That's, that's, that's the big statement of, and here she comes, Sarah. I'll introduce you. She's barren and can't have kids. Is that crazy? But what do we have? We have a contradiction because God's calling her a mom. God's calling her something that contradicts what? Her history, her past. Isn't this interesting? And Abraham, watch this. Once he hears this from God, the Bible says, and Abraham bowed down. Now, the bowing down is that picture of honoring God, reverence for God, the picture of he is my Lord, right? I bow to God. I bow to the Lord Jesus. You are making a statement of your belief and who you believe in by your bowing down. And they would do this all through Scripture when they would bring up a, a, a satanic God, an idol, and they say, bow to the idol. And if you didn't, you'd die. So here's this picture of Abraham bowing to God. But watch this. But he laughs to himself in disbelief. How could Sarah have a child being barren in an old woman she is? How can I, at 100 years old, have kids? This is his picture. This, my brothers and sisters, is a contradiction because first we have honor, reverence. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Is that amazing? How many of you have ever done that in your Christian walk? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Oh God, you're so awesome. What do you say? That can't be. That just can't be because you're hearing something that contradicts what? what you perceive, the information that you know, you understand. Now, we know the story, and what is that? Sarah has a child, and it's exactly what God says. Isaac becomes the, the beginnings of generations, kings, and that's what God said. But think about who he's saying it to, a barren woman. Now, when we look at the history or the information, Sarah's been barren over 50 years. We're not talking about a couple years of issues. Over 50 years she's been barren. In other words, there ain't no way. There's no fertility specialist. There, ain't no, there is no way she's having a child. It ain't going to happen. So what am I saying? I'm saying her history is it's impossible to have a child impossible. It, there's no possibility. I can understand a year, two years, three years, four years, and, and one so spy and maybe the sixth year and you get one. But no, 50 plus years, barren. God's statement, barren. But then she has a kid. But then she has Isaac. But what was the key? We have a contradiction in the action of God's words. And then we have a contradiction in the life of Abram. He's bowing in submission, reverence, honor to God. And he contradicts that picture with, how can that happen? Like I said, we've all been there. We love Jesus. We're doing what we can. We're following the Lord. And we hear something, we see something, the word is taught, and all of a sudden we're going, huh? How can that be? How can that be? And I know there are many, many, many times through the years of your, of your journey with Jesus, 
even if it's a short one or a long one, you've been through this thing where the word of God comes revealed to you and you're going, are you sure he's talking to me? Are you sure that means what you're saying it means? How can it be? And you only say that not out of your understanding of theology and your so many years of Bible college. No, you only say that because of your history, your past, how you were raised, how you're trained, the failures you have in your life, the stumbles in life, the things that are so obvious that say this can't be for me. And that's what we have to look at as far as this word, because forever, people, we're going to be reading this stuff and going, how can this be? Man, didn't you see me last week, God? And he's going to go, yeah, but. And his buts mean I cancel out what I saw last week. But our buts are the same way, and that's what we see here. But he laughed in himself in disbelief. So Numbers 13, 33 is another picture that contradicts. And I want to show you this because we, we've, we've talked about this scripture, you know, different ways, different times. But it's when the, the, the children of Israel, they get delivered out of Egypt and, and they're going into the place where God has promised them. But before they go in, Moses gets 12 guys, 12 leaders to go out and spy out the land. He said, go out and check out this land. I want you to see what's in there and, and, and what type of armies are out there and what type of people are out there. So they're, they're going in with this mandate of we're spying to make sure things are going to line up to how we perceive. And so they go out, not with God's perception, but their perception. And this is, a, this is a story or history lesson for each one of us to recognize that we can all get guilty of this. And this is what happens to them. They go in and they see, during this time, literally giants in the land. Giants. So we're talking about 10, 12-foot soldiers, just like Goliath. And these are the descendants of that same line. And when they come back, and this is the first big major town is Jericho. It's the one that has the massive wall around it. It's the front lines to the, to the whole property, the whole country that God said, this is yours. But they got to get through Jericho first. So they come up to Jericho and it's well fortified, but it's got big, giant soldiers and this is their statement when they come back to talk to Moses. They said, we saw giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our sight. We saw the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our sight. Now I can understand that because they're what, maybe 5'10"? Right around there. And now they're up against someone twice their size. You're not looking straight. You're not even looking like this. You're looking like this. So the Bible says that they came back with this report, which was not good, but an evil report. Huh, interesting. They're just speaking truth, right? But see, God wants you to understand that in the truth you say, can also be the snare of your life. How has it become a snare? Well, just commenting that these are giants and I look like a grasshopper, I feel that way, is a statement of truth. And no one would, you know, say, how dare you do that? Because you're going, those are big guys. I feel like a grasshopper around them. But the problem is, is what God saw from what they said. And what they said is, and they see us the same exact way. Now you might say, well, gosh, they probably did. But we need to know, did they or didn't they? Because if they did, the issue isn't on Israel. 
because they're statements that coincide, they're connected with one another, and they're in agreement with one another. So how could that be an evil report? Now, now I'm showing you something totally different than a lot of ways you'll hear this from a, quote, faith perspective. Because faith perspective would be this. It doesn't matter what you think or what I think. God said it's mine, period. And I understand that. I understand that you take God's word and you go in with that as the mandate. But if we're going to be honest and truthful in a right way to look at Scripture, we're going to recognize there are a lot of times we're talking. We're not out of faith. We're just being real. I'm not saying this other than truth. But the problem was, was it was a lie. And they did not see them. The giants did not see Israel as grasshoppers. Now think about this, because if they didn't see them as grasshoppers, but saw them the way Scripture did, that means those giants were looking like this. Oh no, they're coming. They're coming. What are we going to do? Are you guys hearing me? That's what we have to look at. Because there are going to be a lot of times when we see something in ourselves, but we lie about how we believe other people perceive us. That's an evil report. Because later on in Scripture, we have Joshua sending in spies. And he goes in, they go in, and they hang with Rahab. And Rahab's a woman in the city that a whole lot of people know. And if you know the story about Rahab and Jericho, she's the head prostitute, okay? So let's just get it out there. So pretty much everybody would visit her nice establishment. So Rahab speaks to the spies and gives them the truth. Now this is important to see because what we saw before is something that we would recognize as yeah, I could get it. You guys are little. They're twice your size. You could see yourself small, and they're looking down on you, and they're like going, bunch of grasshoppers. Come on, we'll whoop you. But then we see this. I know the Lord is giving you this land. This is, this is Rahab. I know the Lord is giving you this land. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. Our hearts are failing us. That literally means that there are, little, there are people that are having heart attacks because of Israel. So what is the picture? The picture is, is what I just showed you. Israel came in, they went, oh gosh, we look like grasshoppers to them. But the truth was, is when they looked at Israel, they were scared to death. And in that fear and in that place of terror, they weren't putting up a front. They were hiding. They were moving away. They were scared. But because of Israel's history and their past viewpoints of themselves as failures, as slaves, as we don't deserve this, they started communicating lies that robbed them of their future. How many of us do the same exact thing? When God's speaking to you, God's telling you things in the word of God, you're hearing and going, I can't, this can't be me. This can't be for me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I did. You know how many times I failed. You don't know what a loser I am. And you are doing exactly the same thing because now you say, and that's how everybody else thinks. That's how pastor thinks. That's how leaders think. That's how this thinks. That's how mom thinks. That's how dad thinks. That's how the world thinks. That's how my coworker thinks. So you start communicating this just because you feel that way. Then that feeling's real, but that it's overcoming you in the picture of what people do. When you operate in fear and anxiety, you start seeing and perceiving things that aren't true. You'll start thinking people are speaking negative to you. They're, they're talking about you, and they're, they're mad at you, and they're not. I mean, you might walk around the corner and see a boss, and he's going, and you're going, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get fired. And he just stubbed his toe. But you don't know that. 
You don't know that because you are so consumed of your fear and anxiety that you think everybody's now out to get you. And people, Christians, deal with this all the time. These are contradictions that we got to pay attention to, amen? We don't want to be this way. We want to be victorious. The subtitle, I love the subtitle, Living a Successful Life with an Unsuccessful Past. We all can raise our hands to that. Everyone in here can go, man, that statement for me. But listen, what we have to understand is that statement is true biblically. Living a successful life. And you might be in here walking that moral high ground and thinking, well, I haven't been unsuccessful and I'm so awesome. I'll take you back to the beginning. Adam, sin, you're a loser. You still have the sin nature. You still are apart from God. So there is nothing in your life that you can look at and know, I'm all that and some. No, you're not. You're still in a fallen state. So no matter what you want to conceive in your little brain of how awesome you are, you're not. And I can guarantee you, when you get around someone like that, guarantee you everybody around them is going, no, they're not. Only you think you're awesome like that. Everybody else looks at you and goes, you're not. But that's what pride does. That's what arrogance does. It puffs up. So we look at this and we say, okay, I need to look at these truths Pay attention to them and understand that when we're looking at life, there are going to be things that contradict with what I'm receiving on Sunday, what I'm receiving on Wednesday. I mean, what, a few weeks you've been getting Proverbs. Proverbs is filled with nuggets, amen? Filled with nuggets. And those nuggets that you take in, you start receiving, you start going out in life and going, oh my gosh, I got to start looking and thinking a different way. Because there's all kinds of traps out there to rob you of your new life, amen? And we don't want that. So she reveals the truth. God's promises to Israel years before they go in to take what belongs to them was a song of deliverance from their enemies. And in that song that they sang together by themselves was a song that literally said, our enemies are defeated in fear and terror of who we are. Listen to this. With your unfailing love, you lead the people you have redeemed. Your might, your guide them to your sacred home. The peoples hear the enemies and tremble. Anguish grips those who live in Philistia. The leaders of Edom are terrified. The nobles of Moab are tremble. All who live in Canaan melt away. Terror and dread fall upon them. The power of your arm makes them lifeless as stone until your people pass by. Oh, Lord. Until you, can you imagine singing that song? I don't even know how you put a beat to that. It wasn't, I don't think that worked in country western, rap, you know. I don't know, maybe, maybe some alternative, I don't know. But that's, can you imagine that? People seeing trouble, ah, I wish those who feed, ah! I don't know, I don't know. All I'm saying is, is they sang it. They sang this song. And y'all know if you're singing a song and it's the top hit, which it has to be because Moses, he's singing it. And what Moses did, everybody else followed. So that's not only being sung to him, but you know his kids are singing it. Everybody's singing this song. And now they go into the promised land and they forget the song. They forget that the enemies tremble, that the enemies fear, that, they, that they're, they're in a place of, oh my God, we're going to die. All they had to do is remember the song. What does that mean? All you have to do is remember the song of God's word. In your life, we sing some songs, man. If you can just sing those songs and remember what they're saying, they can help you in a hard time. They can help you get to the place of, I got to reflect on the truth, not the past. I got to reflect on the truth, not the past. Amen? 
Amen? Remember Gideon? We, we, I talked about this a few months ago, but Gideon, the first picture we have of Gideon is as he's working wheat in a wine press. He's, he's threshing wheat. Now, threshing wheat, if you know anything about this, which most people don't, but anyway, this is what they would do. They'd have a massive rock structure flat on the ground, open to the wind. And they'd get their wheat and beat it on the ground. And what the air, the wind would come in and, and blow away all the bad stuff and the, the wheat would fall to the ground. So they thresh out in the open. But a wine press is not out in the open. A wine press has walls all the way around it. So when you crunch the grapes, all the grapes' juices stay within the well, but you're hidden behind this because you don't want the juices going out and you don't want stuff coming in. So we see the picture of Gideon doing what? Threshing wheat in a wine press. In other words, he's a scaredy cat. Because it says he's doing it because he's fearful of his enemies. What enemies? The enemies that they're supposed to be victorious over. The enemies that God said, you own them. This is your land. The enemies that they have already defeated, but because they took their eyes off God, the enemy has come running back in, multiplied. And now Israel is living in caves or living in fear. And you have Gideon, the first picture of this believer, scared. Now think about this because now we're going to have a contradiction. I want you to hear what I'm saying. I want you, as Jesus says, have ears to hear. Because like I said, this information will impact your Monday. It'll pack, impact Sunday night. Because you're going to have many, many times where you're seeing this and you're, you're experiencing this word and it's coming alive in you. And then all of a sudden, contradiction. Your actions, someone else's action, your thoughts of what you did last week, last month, last year, whatever. There are going to be contradictions. And that's a battle, people. That's a warfare. And so all of a sudden, we have contradiction happening right here because God sends an angel and says, I want you to say this. And the angel comes on and says, mighty man of valor. That is a complete contradiction. He's a little scaredy cat hiding in a wine press. He's not a mighty man of valor. Or is he? Or is he? Because I know that God doesn't lie. As the scripture says, it is impossible for God to lie. Well, we've got to get over ourselves. Come on, somebody. We've got to get over ourselves in what we establish as truth when it comes to God. Because we either got to determine he is truth above my little t truth. Because I have truth, little t, but he has truth, big t. Amen? All caps, truth. What's exclamation mark truth? That's the God I serve. That's my Lord Jesus Christ. And what he does, he speaks to my life. He speaks to my heart. And he says, truth. Now I either got to stand up for my truth or I'm going to submit to his truth. But I'm going to tell you right now, that contradiction is going to be dealt with in the right way. In the right way. I'm going to have to either Choose life or choose death. People don't get it, but that's exactly what's happening. Every single day in your life, you're choosing life or you're choosing death. I ain't choosing death. I'm alive right now. That's not what it means. It means your life is in an entanglement of a non-productive picture that does not connect to God's picture. It ultimately produces death. No production, no success, no multiplication. Now God's saying, I want you to get hold of my truth. I want you to understand my truth. It's going to contradict, but my truth is the truth. 
because we know that even though he speaks this out and the contradiction is, is he's scared. God's truth has to win out. The second picture we have of Gideon is an amazing one because ultimately when God establishes, listen, dude, you are. You are my champion. You're an overcomer and you're going to defeat the enemies that you're hiding from. And what does Gideon do? He goes to the position we do. And that is, you don't know me. You must not know me. Because when it comes to my family, we're messed up. We are the worst family in all of Israel. You ought to see some of our parties, man. No one wants to introduce you to anybody because they're all messed up. We go, you want to meet uncle? Nah, nah, nah. What about aunt? Nah. What about grandma? Even grandma's nasty. And so you're like going, I don't even want to go to that party. But see, what happens is Gideon literally makes a statement as, when it comes to us, our whole group is the worst. We're the weakest in all the tribes. And then he says, and then inside that weakest of all tribes, you got my family. And we're the weakest in our weakest tribe. And then you got me. I'm the youngest, weakest of the weakest family in the weakest tribe of all Israel. You don't know what you're talking about, God. Do you see what I'm saying? So in the introduction of Gideon, we have this picture of mega failure, but God's saying, no, you're the man. You are my champion. I'm calling it out right now, mighty man of valor. What is he seeing? Truth. See, this is the problem with how we perceive. Man, yeah, I like to get people to, to recognize the value of common sense, because I could care less what degree you have. If you lose common sense, you're dumb. You're not smart. You want to puff yourself up with intelligence, but when common sense goes out the door, you're dumb. You, you are, you're just dumb. And I hear this with people because they want to produce this revelation of information. And then you bring in common sense, they're like going, what? What? Exactly. Go back to the dumb way and start learning. Amen. Go back to being dumb. That's okay. I, I, go, I go dumb all the time. I ain't ashamed of it. I'd rather be stupid and learn than to think I'm smart and know nothing. Who cares what you think or what any of us thinks that can't even understand common sense? Are you guys hearing me? I want you operating at the highest level of success. But it surpasses what you think is wisdom. And by the way, whatever you're receiving or learning is just from someone else and what they feel or think, opinion, unless it's ultimate truth. And that can only be one plus one equals two in that concept. Are you guys hearing me? In that concept, any, anything else is opinion through their perception. I don't care what kind of professor or doctorate they have. It all means squat. Because if you listen to most of these ones out there right now, they have no common sense at all. And common sense can take you a long way. And that's what we see in this picture. We see God communicating to Gideon in a way that says, this is who you are. Don't rely on what you think Rely on what I say. You might be thinking, well, well, isn't that wrong? It's wrong to listen to the truth? I don't think so. It's never wrong to listen to the truth, the way, the life. The only reason we have difficulty in it is because we have our perception of the information. And that's going to always muddy the waters. You got to come in this with a clean slate. And I'm, 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 I'm sorry. Most churches really screw that up because of religion. They mess up a new believer's walk because they get off into doctrines and denominational truths and stuff like that. Instead of bringing up a new believer just like a baby 
would be brought up in life. That ain't happening. It's sad, but it's true. And it's messed up countless millions of followers, of, of believers. But that doesn't mean we look at life hopeless. We recognize, okay, my bad. I got off. I was wrongly taught. Let's move on. I've had to do that quite a few times. I went through Bible college and, and spent thousands in loans. And in the middle of paying off the loans went, man, that really sucked that I went to college because it really screwed me over. It didn't do anything good for me. I mean, I wasted my money, but I still got to pay it back. I mean, that was rough, but I finally got it paid off after like two forbearances. And if anybody knows about student loans, you know what that word means. If you don't, it doesn't matter. It just meant I couldn't pay. Give me more time. That's all it meant. But anyway, I paid it off finally. And, but the thing is, is listen, ultimately, I, I, I learned to recognize that even though, even though it was my best friend's fault and I went to school only because he did, because he brought me to Jesus, and I figured if he's going, I'm going to go. He's the mess up. All right, I got it out. I feel better now. He cost me all that money. The point is, is, I can look back and go, okay, there are a couple things that were a great help for me today. Just a couple. Understanding Hebrew and the language, the Greek language, a couple things. But besides that, not much. But the point is, is I can look back and not be just frustrated and hurt and in pain. I can go, okay, there's a couple things I look back that are helpful. And I can look back at so many different things that I was led astray in because I believed. But it, it wasn't scriptural. It wasn't lining up with the whole word of God. And believe me, before I present, I make sure everything I am lines up from Genesis Revelation. If it doesn't, I'm not talking about it. I'm not going to. So what I want to make sure is, is, is this truth? Not is this a doctrine that we all must believe. I'll talk about different things we believe in. If you believe in it or not, it doesn't matter. It's truth. But there are certain things that we believe in that you have to believe in. Like Jesus is the only way to the Father. That's it, period. I don't, no other opinion matters. That is the truth. But then there are other things of how you get water baptized. And how, you know, and this and that. And I'm like going, well, this is what we believe. We believe this is scriptural. But if you don't agree with that, I don't care. It, it, it's, it's a point where I'm not going to fight over that stuff. But if it comes to the place of unmovable, the truth, oh, yeah, I will. I'll stand my ground. But in the revelation of understanding, we go through the process of building. Building and building and building. It doesn't, it's not this flat-out understanding teaching. It's a process of growth. Then that's the only way you're going to learn. Oh, only way. And so that's the concept, the belief of what we do here. Because I want you to get it. I don't want you to walk out going, it was so deep, I don't get it. I don't even know what he's talking about. Wasn't it deep? It was sort of scary, wasn't it? Well, what is that going to do? Nothing. Nothing. I'd rather pull out the fat crayons. Let's get the fat crayons, draw outside the lines. But man, are we going to color. Amen? But here we say that picture of Gideon. Next we have, and this is someone that um, we don't hear about much. We don't hear a lot of teaching about. But if you read Hebrews chapter 11, you'll see a roll call. A roll call of faith heroes. And his name's in there. Jephthah. Anybody know Jephthah? See, that's what I thought. I'm making up his name, actually. There is No, no there is. I'm just kidding. But Jephthah actually was in the roll call of heroes of faith. And you think, Jephthah, I don't hear many teaching about that. But he's in the book of Judges, and it's so awesome of how we're introduced to Jephthah. Are you ready for this? Because here's a contradiction. Right at the very beginning, you're going you're to love this. Judges 11.1, 1, now Jephthah of Gilead was a great warrior. Jephthah of Gilead was a great warrior. 
But his mother was a prostitute. <laughs> Jephthah of Gilead was a great warrior, but his mom was a prostitute. Is that, I mean, think about that. That statement in there says great things. Kind of. Because what it reveals to me is something that we all have a dilemma on. It's a contradiction of life. Because these two statements are statements that they made about Jephthah, but it's also statements that God recorded in his word. Because the truth is, is yeah, he was born of a prostitute, and in his position, they literally kicked him out of their country. His family said, you ain't part of ours. Your mama wasn't our mama. Your mama walked the streets. And our dad messed up. And because of that, you need to get out of our family. So he lived in this family that were going to be leaders in this nation, in this clan. And they kicked him out. And the Bible says that Jephthah rose up and became a strong, mighty man. And losers joined with him. They literally say that. Losers joined with him. What's interesting is when you look at the life of David, a man after God's own heart, the Bible says that when David was running in terror for his life, that losers joined him. His family and a bunch of losers. And it started naming them. People had all kinds of debt, student loan debt. And it went through this whole, no really, went through the whole process of owing money and people that, that wouldn't pay their taxes. I mean, I'm telling you, this is the list that were part of David's team. So you got David with all these losers. You got Jephthah with all these losers. And it's in the Bible. And the Bible's showing us this picture, but David is a man after God's own heart. Jephthah is a mighty warrior. And then you got losers around him. But all of a sudden, you read the story, start reading the story. Look at the history lesson and what happens. God's word always prevails for those who believe his word. God's word always prevails to those who believe his word. When you believe his word, even if your mama was a prostitute, you can win and be successful in life. The world is going to call you out. Prostitute boy, prostitute boy. Son of a whore, son of a whore. Are you guys hearing me? Dude, if you can only see your faces. You know, there's one of two things going on. Either you're very religious, or I'm talking about you right now. So if I were you, I'd start smiling, going, it's not me. My mom's not that way. It's good. Help me out right now. Because some of you are really intense with this. Come on, calm down. The point is, is we're reading something that is so powerful because I want you to understand something. His life history was messed up. But what does God's word say? Mighty valor, mighty man, mighty man great warrior. You see, God's words to you are always going to be for today and relevant. They're about your future. The world's words to you are always about your past. They're not calling about today. They call you out on your history. Never forget that. People don't call you out on right now. They call you out about last week, last month, last year, what they know about you or don't know about you. But history is what they judge you on. God, he don't work that way. I said, God does not work that way. He's the one that says, when you come to me, I make sure the old has passed away. And behold, man, take a look now because this is a new life you're operating in. That's what every one of us should be taught and understood at the very beginning of us going, Jesus, I receive you. That understanding of you're new, brand new life, you're going to be start learning new life. The ABCs, the one, two, threes of God's word for you. And that's what will transform your life. Are you guys hearing me? Are you hearing me? So we have two descriptions. We got God's description, great warrior. 
We got the world's description, son of a prostitute. Isn't that interesting? God's view, worldview. God's view, worldview. It's going to be that way, people. God's view, worldview. Love life's view of you. Your family's view of you. Usually different, huh? Isn't it? Your followers of Jesus' friends that are believing the way you are, their view of you. And then those other people that you call friends, their view of you. Aren't they different? Certainly they're different. So we have these differences. We have these two descriptions. 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven says this. You're going to love this one. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world. Turn your name and say, you're one of the foolish ones. Come on now. Turn to the one you don't like that you didn't say first. Tell them you're certainly one of the foolish ones. So we got, God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. God has cho chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. In other words, God, God picks, he's sitting there going, let me, you, man, you, this is nasty. Let me clean you off and rise you up to a position where the world goes, that ain't possible. That ain't possible. God loves that. He loves to take people and get to the place where everybody looks at you and goes, you're not the same. How can this be? I told you, I've told you stories of, listen, last place I wanted to be was in this neighborhood. Last place. I grew up in this neighborhood. I moved out quickly, left this state to get away from this neighborhood. Tell me the truth. And my plans were never to come back to this neighborhood in my whole life. And then once God called me back, it wasn't to this neighborhood. It was to another neighborhood. I'm cool with that. I just ain't coming back to this neighborhood. But see, I got a problem. And the problem is, is I have a heart that wants to serve Jesus. And my heart says, whatever you want, whatever you want. My journey is your journey. I'm following that. And all of a sudden, I'm getting to this journey to where God opens the door and says, I got a new place for you. And I was kicking and screaming. I want you to be a pastor and to start a church. You'd think I'd go, yeah, that's awesome. I was going, heck no. And I thought I think I said, yeah, hell. I don't know. I don't remember. I wasn't happy about God sharing me, sharing with me that cute little secret he had. You are going to be a pastor. And I'm like going, no, I'm not. I'm not pastoring. I will submit God, and I will be the best assistant anywhere. But I ain't going to be no pastor. But see, I can talk, you know, trash talk. I've played sports. A lot of times you're talking it, but you really don't believe it. And so I find myself in the position where I'm going, all right, God, you know I want to serve you, and that's a problem. I should have never said I did. But here I am. My heart is what you want. All right, I'll do it. I'm not happy, but I'll do it. And I think, I think ultimately I got to the place where I thought, and then I'm going to mess up and fail, and you're gonna, I'm going to show you. You picked the wrong person. Didn't happen. Why? Because it ain't about me. It's about him. It's always been about him. And so when I submitted that call, I realized that I don't have a clue. And so I had to rely on him, trust him. So in that picture, he then goes, and I got a new surprise for you. And I go, what? And he says, where are you going to have your church? And I go, I already know where I'm going to have my church. It's going to be in Scottsdale. It's going to be in North Phoenix. I know where I'm going to have my church. The houses are going to be more than 50,000 bucks. And my whole concept was, is I, I don't want to have a greater war than I need. And God goes, now I'm going to take you back to your neighborhood. Heck no. I was not happy at all when he led me to this place. And then he leads, leads me to a building that isn't even finished next to an AMPM and a beauty salon and a bar. 
God, what are you doing to me? I'm serving you. You're messing with my life. But ultimately, my heart, I will do what you want. I'm going to do what you want. And here we are today. But the point is, is that journey had all kinds of places where it didn't agree. There wasn't, there was contradiction. There had to be people better. Better. He chose the weak things in this world to confound. And a lot of us, we look at ourselves and we go, how could I ever? Oh, believe me. Believe me. When it comes to God, how can you not? telling you, he's going to use you for great things. He's just got to get you out of your way. And once you do that, it's, it, it ultimately comes down to you either love him and say, hey, you're, you're the reason why I'm doing this. And go for this journey, which is a beautiful one, or you fight tooth and nail. But if you love him, ultimately you're going to submit. Now, believe me, when I tell you these stories, I'm not talking about months and months of fighting with God. We're talking real short periods of time, but it was a fight, but it wasn't that long. I like to draw it out just for the sake of drama. You know what I'm saying? Sounds better, doesn't it? And I'm not saying there wasn't drama. I'm telling you there was drama, but it wasn't long, long drama because ultimately, again, my heart has always been not my will, your will. Not my will, your will. And it's worked. <laughs> it's worked. I'm going to keep staying on, on that point. Amen? Jesus said it, and I thought, man, what a great example. If he can say it, I think I will. I keep trying to work forward toward my Lord and do the best I can to follow his example. Amen? Amen. So what we have to do is we have to recognize that that there is a contradiction. What are you going to take the side of? Your, your history or God's word? Oh, whose side are you going to take? Think about it. You're, you're, going to, you're going to rest your future on your whole past or what God's word says. That's ultimately what it comes down to. I, I've shown you contradictions. Listen, Gideon... He did exactly what God said was going to happen. Jephthah, he became a judge of Israel. Not just of his little group, a judge of Israel for six years. So what I'm saying is, is every one of these guys that said, man, I suck, I'm no good. God's going, uh-uh, that's not true. That's not true. And they believed. And because they believed, great things happened for each one of them. Isn't that awesome? Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? Jesus says this in John 5.41. Your approval or disapproval means nothing to me. For as I know so well, you don't have God's love within you. He was talking to the religious. He was talking to anybody that was around him. He's saying, I'm not looking for your approval. And I don't care about your disapproval. In starting this church, because of religion, there's a whole lot of religious teaching or a process of training where people learn how to manipulate leaders, manipulate pastors. Ever since I started this church, I've had to deal with hundreds of people like that. And they have no way, impossibility, to affect me one bit because I'm not like those other pastors. You can't manipulate me. I don't care if you write a big check or a bigger check, because I don't even know what type of check you write. You can't manipulate me. And, and again, I'm not saying this in an arrogant way. I'm saying it in the way where you should be the same. People should never be able to manipulate you because of you are empowering them to drive your life. Are you kidding me? You don't know how many Christians, even in here, are manipulated by a fake news Facebook but people that aren't even your friends and you're manipulated by them. Did they like? Did they dislike? Did they agree? Did they, did they comment? How come they didn't? And you don't even have a real true connection with them. What, an, what a weak, weak, senseless life. And so many people are falling for it. 
You're deceived. You're deceived. Those aren't the people that you should be lifting up in your life. It's the ones that are going in the same direction you're going. The ones that are fighting in the fight of faith that you're fighting. The ones that are standing strong in their families and their children and their marriages and saying, we're going to win. Those are the people that you should be more concerned about, not those people out there that have no connection other than electronic connection. Please, are you kidding me? Wake up. Like I said, think about this world and how they look at, quote, influencers. Influence what? The stupid things you do? Oh, oh because you said, buy Bubu Tata soap. I'm going to go buy it because you just rammed your bike into a wall and got up and went, oh, I banged the wall. I'm an influencer. You're an idiot. But there's all these people going, oh, I like it, I like it, I like it, I like it. Why? Because you don't understand what life is about. Wake up, people. Wake up. Please don't get quiet during this part. Y'all should be going, yeah, yeah, that's right, Pastor. At least fake it right now, you know, because please, just fake it. I'd rather do, just go, <laughs> that's crazy. And then inside you're going, oh my God, he's talking to me. Are you guys hearing me? What is, listen, ultimately, what's this come down to? I really don't know. No, I do, I do, I'm just kidding. I, I thought that I would, that'd leave you hanging, but think about this. Think of before and afters. Because this is what we're talking about. Before, we, everybody loves before and afters. We love the picture of, you know, the, the overweight person before and then the after, and they're, they're all healthy and in shape. We, we have a picture of uh, the, the wrinkles all over the place. And then the, uh, they put the cream on, and afterwards, there's no wrinkles. <laughs> I like that. Uh, do, do you not? We like before and afters. Do we not like this? Think about it. We like to see the ugly you become the new you. The failure you become success you. You know why? Because our DNA starts from failure. The seed of fallen Adam. Everybody on this planet. And that's why we like to hear and see bad to good. You know, when they do the programs where they bring the person off the street and she looks all raggedy and everything and they give her a makeup, you know, redo and all that. And you come out and you're going, ah, who is that? That's not even the same lady. And then they show you and going, God, makeup is a miracle drug. It's crazy what they can do. Isn't that true? Isn't it true? And you look at the home shows. Why do we like these so much? Because they went in and they went to a house that's just garbage. And then they said, are you ready to see your new home? And they open it up and they're going, ah, I can't be it. Ah. Before and after, people. Before and after. We love this. Do we not love this? We got to take God's word and understand that truth in it is what will give us the after picture. Anybody ever listen to advice from a trainer? Someone that has information that says, listen, this is what you weigh. This is what's going on in your life. And if you do this, this, and this, you, they give you a whole picture of what you need to do to get to here. I did. When I made a determination, I'm, I'm going for it. I'm going for it. I'm going for working out. I'm going for this. And I, and I started getting on specific people with information that could take me to another level than what I understood I knew. Because I had a, I've played sports my whole life. So I had a general understanding of bench press, girls, you know. But I wanted to get a full understanding of how to work out a muscle wisely and not have to go through what I felt years ago how you did it because of technology and information. And so I'm doing things so much easier and I'm getting so quicker results because of it. All based upon different information. But guess what? Going through this process, there are times you can be overwhelmed. 
because the information doesn't click. It's like, oh, that's going to be so hard and so tough. And I know my wife and I, we've talked about these, these, these things, and I know other people that have engaged in looking at, we, I'm going to do this, this, and this. This is whole, my whole regiment. And you look at the regiment, it's not what you're used to. It's not what your life has experienced. And all of a sudden, you're like going, this is going to be tough. This is going to be hard. But guess what? You look at it and recognize, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to start, and I'm going to do it a little bit at a time. I'm going to slowly keep moving on and keep having victories. These little victories, these little victories, these little victories. As a matter of fact, Isaiah prophesied this one time. And he was saying to Israel, he's saying, listen, this is how God works. Precept upon precept upon precept, line upon line upon line. Here a little, there a little. And the rest of the prophets and the rest of the people of Israel were mad. You talk to us as little babies. You think we're little children. And all, all Isaiah was doing is, is you want to learn? You want to grow? This is what religious Christians do. We always hear the same thing over and over and over. We always hear. And I, I know the people that make these statements, and I look at their lives, and they're messed up. But see, that's what religion does. It creates people that operate against God's word, not for it. And what Isaiah was saying is, is when it comes to success, when it comes to victory in your life, you're going to th hear things in repetition. And you're going to hear things in a smaller, smaller informational grab, not overwhelming information, so that you can retain it. And Jesus said this, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in little, little. You're faithful in tiny bit. I will make you ruler over great. You don't know how many leaders have failed in our church over the years because they can never be faithful in little. They just wanted great. And it totally, totally goes against God's word and his ways. And there's nothing but failure for their lives. You've got to be faithful in the little. Faithful in the little. And that's what Isaiah said. Precept upon precept upon precept. Line upon line. That's actually a picture of a mason's life. Have you ever seen a mason or someone laying brick? They just don't throw up brick. They lay one line. They get a line and that mason line, a line upon line. And they run that line and then they put the brick right equal with that line and they go the next layer. And then they let the line and they go the next layer. That's exactly what Isaiah says. You want to learn? That's how you learn. Quit trying to get to Z. Let's get ABC first. Amen? Let's get the little thing. Let's get this information in us. Because see, I'm going to see a whole lot of before and afters. I've already seen a whole lot of before and afters. But I want to see more before and afters. See, I've arrived to where I'm at, but guess what? I want a before and after. I'm not quitting in life. I continue to want before and after. I want it forever because I'm not stopping. Until we're all in heaven, we got work to do. So let's get working in this awesome work because y'all called in the body of Christ. Y'all called to do something. So let's quit allowing our history to affect our future. Let's quit allowing our perception, the world's perception, other people's perception to dictate your life. It's time for you now to get in the driver's seat and start living life large and living life the way God has planned to live, and that's big. Amen? Y'all hear me on that? Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for the truth of the Word of God. And because of that information, we're going to get hold of it, and we're going to start processing it, renewing our minds with it, meditating on it. And as we do, we know, we know that we know that we know yeah, there are going to be times where we're going, God, are you sure? But guess what? He's always sure. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the word. We thank you for the truth of this word and that our lives are committed to before and afters. We might be overwhelmed with the information, but the truth is, is we want to ultimately get to the transformation. Everybody loves to see the transformed picture. So, Father, that's our plan. That's our desire, and that's our commitment. In Jesus' name, everybody said,
Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.